Thanks for listening to the Tribe Church Podcast. Our prayer is that these episodes bless and equip you in your apprenticeship to Jesus. Our goal as a community is to become more like Jesus and to offer Him through our lives to those around us here in Austin, Texas. More like Jesus, more for others. For more on our church, check out atxtribe.org. God bless. So today, uh, obviously, we're, we're going to talk about Easter, but it's slightly unusual uh, because I'm not going to retell the story of the resurrection. What I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on the implication of the resurrection for our lives, right? Um, so all of our texts today, we'll be reading from, from the book of Romans, which is a, a letter the Apostle Paul sent to the Romans, to the church, and to the believers. Um, but before I go, before we start reading this Romans 8, because it really helps it frame it, uh, I want to say congratulations to my buddy Mauricio Quiroga, who got baptized a, couple, couple, a week ago, a little bit over a week ago, eight days ago. He's sort of the newborn of tribe. Uh, <laughs> and, and Mauricio, he's Chilean. Uh, as I am, half Chilean, half Russian, right? And uh, so Mauricio and I, uh, we'll hear from him a little bit later, but uh, it was just such a, such a joyful baptism. And we, in our small group, all of us rejoiced together. And it was, just, it was just transformative. And the reason I bring him up is not only to congratulate him, because that's the illustration of this whole idea of the resurrection, right? You know, when, when we met uh, first, Mauricio actually reached out to me via email, found me on LinkedIn. And he sent me this uh, sort of now legendary subject line, right, of somebody who does his res research. You know, that's how we are different. We're brother from, brothers from another mother, but I don't do that, um, that kind of research. He's more of an engineer type, right? So he sent me this research, research saying, hello from Chilean exile, 53-year-old musician economist. <laughs> like, and, and to be honest, do you, how can you not open an email like this, right, and respond, I want, to, I want to meet this guy, right? So apparently he's my doppelganger, and we had breakfast, and we went on a date with our wives, and we got to know each other, and that's how the whole story started. Um, and yet, you know, right, you know, as you, as you get to know each other, you, you get to know each other on a high level first, right? Like just with any relationships. And then when you start really to get to know each other and become friends, you start seeing and sharing some of your pain. And that's sort of what happened naturally in our friendship is that, you know, eventually uh, Mauricio said, you know, this is what's weighing on me. So I'm going to stop there and read this because it's a, it's a great illustration of all of our conditions, right? Here's what it says in Romans 8, verses 22, 23. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have, been, who have the first fruit of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So this is all about the resurrection. This is all about Easter. And it, in behind sort of this fancy wording, you know, it's very sophisticated wording here. There's so much substance that can be transformative to, uh, to all of us if we understand what Paul is talking about, right? What he's saying is that, that creation, there's only two things in, uh, from a Christian perspective, there's two things in the universe. If you zoom out, you know, you zoom out of this hall, the city of Austin, Texas, uh, North America, the planet, the universe, and you zoom out all the way out, there's only two things you will see. One is a creator, and two is a creation. Everything else. So if you are not God, hopefully you don't think you're God, um, you are creation. 
And what he, this, this scripture is saying is introducing this concept that all of creation, including all of us, were groaning as in the, in the pains of childbirth. All of us feel this not enoughness of this life, right? The heaviness of existence. No matter how, how successful you are, how full of friends your life is, how relational you are, how um, flourishing you are, there's always part of you that will be groaning. Always part of you that will be groaning. And what he's saying here is that, even, that he's not talking about people who are not Christians. He's talking to Christians here. He's saying even the people who are Christians, we are groaning, but we have this one difference between the groaning of a Christian and the groaning of somebody who hasn't developed a, a relationship with God yet. And the difference is that we are the first fruit of the Spirit. We have something that we look forward to, something that we have a certainty in. And we'll unpack this in one second, right? Uh, I think most of us will agree, if you lived on planet Earth, not only in Austin, not only in Texas or America, but worldwide, that it's been a couple, a, a rough couple of two years, right? Like a 90, 2021, and then we go, okay, COVID seems like it's easing up, right? And then sort of things go south in all kinds of all different ways, right? Do you get a, you get a, a sense that, can we catch a break here? Like just one good year, with not, not very eventful, at least, you know? Uh, you know, so year two, we start looking at World War III, you know, great. Who, who, who in, in, like in maybe ironically or sarcastically said, can we have COVID back as an alternative? You know, uh, uh, I did, you know. You know, there's a war going on in Ukraine and Russia. The, I mean, I've lived in both countries, like I'm really heavy-hearted. This, this whole season has been really rough for us, for us as a family, right? And we have a, two kids who were born in Russia and one kid who, who, were, who was born in Ukraine. Um, so it's just a rough two and a half years going into the third year of rough year. Um, so what is the reality here? And that's, the, that's what we're gonna unpack today. There's, there's a famous book called Progress by Johann Norberg. And no, Johann Norberg, what he did is he did this, this research and he basically picked two, 10 different metrics in the world and tracked them through time, right? What is, are things better or are, not, or are things not better? So here's what he, tra what he tracked. Food, sanitation, life expectancy, poverty, violence, environment, literacy, freedom, inequality. On a global scale, every single tho of those metrics, things are better now than they were before in humanity. Every single one of those. As a matter of fact, um, we are at an all-time high in the history of humanity of all these qualities of life, all of these dimensions. Things have, have literally not ever in historically been better. We live, live even when, although we see conflict and war and violence, on a global scale, we see the most peace, peaceful time in the history of humanity. In the last 20 years, half of the world's population has been lifted out of poverty, half. In the last 20 years, let that sink in. In the last 20 years, 50% of humanity has been lifted out of poverty. And because we don't have that much of a perspective, it's called, you know, there's a, there's a term that I love, it's, it's called historic snobbery. Historic snobbery is that you think from your angle on, on, the, on the last decade or two or three, and that's how you see all of history, right? You know? But what we forget is that, that 100 years ago, what we now consider the most prosperous civilization 
in, uh, in the history of humanity, which is Western civilization, right? West Europe, Western Europe, Canada, US, all of that, the West, the collective West, including some, some other countries uh, in Asia, Southwest, Southeast Asia. A uh, hundred years ago, this, which is what? One and a half human lives, right? A hundred years ago, most of the population in those territories that we now consider a wealthy West lived on under $2 a day. A hundred years ago. Compare that to thousands of years of human history. So the, the last hundred years, the blink of an eye historically, has been the most exciting uh, times in the history of humanity on these levels. And yet, we're looking at physical dimensions, right? Physically, we see the greatest improvement in, in human history. But if you measure other dimensions, spiritual dimensions, things are different, right? For example, if you measure um, uh, the level of happiness, right, just people responding, I'm happy, uh, in the US, it has been in decline since the 60s, nonstop, in decline, constant decline. Uh, mental illness, anxiety, depression, bipolar, all kinds of other things, uh, has been skyrocketing in the last 20 years. So have me uh, meds to treat those, those conditions, right? The sales of, 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 me of medicines designed to treat those conditions have skyrocketed. And, and here's, here's why. Y you and I are not just physical beings. We're not. And the, the measure to which we, we consider ourselves physical and our goals are physical and our minds are set on physical uh, is the measure at which we, we miss the mark of improving our lives in our societies and in the, in the lives of people around us, right? Our, and this is what Paul is talking about, and we'll talk about it in, in a second. This is the big problem. This is the big problem. Our brain gravitates towards the negative. Who, have, uh, who, who here has watched the Oscars? Raise your hand. Uh, if you haven't watched the, watched the Oscars, raise your hand. What do you know about the Oscars this year, if you, even if you didn't watch it? Okay, so think about this. The ceremony watched by billions of people that celebrates the height of storytelling in humanity. The things that we remember is a slap. Is a slap, I mean, that's sad, right? Why is that? It's because it sells. The slap sells. Showing it on, on media, writing articles about it, you know, uh, Chris Rock and Will Smith and who was right and all these commentaries, you know, it's so irritating to me. I, 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 they pop up and I go, I, I seriously don't care. <laughs> like I seriously don't want to give it more than, you know, 30 seconds of my attention on the, the, the nuances. Of, of the slap. There must be more serious things going on in life that we can you know, give our attention to than the slap. And as a matter of fact, I like movies and I, I go, are you serious? Okay, so let me redeem this moment for you for, for the Oscars. Go watch the movie Coda. Yeah. <laughs> best movie, Oscar for best movie. It's an amazing work of art, of storytelling. It's about a deaf family, and one of the members of the family, who is not deaf, wants to be a singer. It's one of the most inspiring, uplifting things I've ever seen in my life. And here's the sad thing. From the Oscars, all we get is a slap and not Coda. Everybody should be talking about Coda, not about Will Smith and, and, and Chris Rock. But that, that describes, in a funny way, perhaps, 
uh, the human condition, right? So let's read this. Paul uses a term in Romans 8, and we're going to go verse 5 and then verse 11. Uh, a term that I'm going to introduce to you and explain to you, and that sort of describes the, the, the essence of the problem. He uses a term uh, in Greek called sarx, S-A-R-X, sarx, say sarx. It's nice, right? Uh, and that word is translated as flesh. But what he talks about is not your, just your physical body as being this source of, of evil, right? What he talks about is your fallen nature. That part of you as a human being that wants to do things that are not good for you. <laughs> that want to, wants to do things that are, that are against the, the good for you or, and other people. That's Sarks. And what he's describing is what... It's the, it's the source of groaning of creation, which was explained in the first scripture, right? Creation, including ourselves, we're groaning because we see the fruit of Sarks, the flesh. Here's what he says. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance to the Spirit have their minds set up on what the Spirit desires. And then if we skip forward to verse 11, it says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Now, this is deep stuff, right? This is mysterious stuff. This is stuff that we can't really, you know, put under a microscope and describe. This is the deepest truth you can possibly embrace and sort of linger on. Paul is saying, if your mind is set on things of the Spirit, the Spirit that lives in you through baptism, we'll go to baptism next, can renew you can lift you up, can give you a new life and a new birth through that power. But if your mind is set of the things of Sarks, if your mind is set on, on clickbait stuff, on responding with knee-jerk reactions, of, of seeking instant gratification, of being, of feeling like a victim, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, these things do not give you renewal, do not give you a rebirth. What they give you is groaning. Right. Uh, well, this this um, Easter sermon is actually the third part of a three-part sermon, Path to Peace. And in the Path to Peace, what we did is we we described that there's a process. There seems to be a pattern to to human renewal. And the first phase of it is lament. Is accepting, getting in touch with. Uh, this, this groaning that is happening all around us and in us as well. And if we get in touch with these feelings, which, which are unpleasant feelings, and we own them and we meditate on them and we even describe them to, to people who we trust, then there's this, the next step, and that's the step of surrender, where you wrestle with the groaning, you wrestle with the pain, and somehow you find hope in something that is universally true, for example, this scripture, that the spirit, if you set your mind on the spirit of God, it will raise you from the dead, quite literally. Right? And then after that comes renewal. And that's the process. Which means that renewal does not come without surrender, and surrender does not come without lament lamentation. Right? Um, 
And that's a fundamentally, profoundly transformative thing for all of us, because what we need to realize, although our sarks will go to, this is going to solve my problem. This is going to ease the, the groaning. The next app, the next presi president, right? The, the blockchain, metaverse, whatever, whatever it is that you find as the solution, the thing that will bring relief and a new evolution to your life, right? It's not that, you, because we can't be saved from ourselves through that. Only Jesus can save us. See, the humanistic view, which we inherit just naturally through, it's, always, it's, it's, it's everywhere in the air, like oxygen, right? Is that we are, as people, we're these beautiful snowflakes, right? Um, and we are corrupted by bad society and bad influences, which is the opposite of what Jesus says and the Bible says. So you can buy into that because it's easier for us to not feel guilty, right? If you, do you want to be uh, this, this good person? I'm a good person. And why are things not working out? Yes, you can take that route. The, the problem with that is that it's just not true. You're not a good person. I'm not a good person, right? See, we're talking about, when we're talking about climate, politics, violence, racism, all those things, we're talking about these are real problems, but they're not the problem. The problem is not Putin although it's a problem. It's not the Democrats, it's not the Republicans, it's not the education system. The, those are problems. Poverty, racism, they're problems, they're real problems, they're heavy problems, but they're not that problem. These are symptoms. Foundationally, these are symptoms. What the problem is, is SARCs. Can you say SARCs? Say, I have some SARCs. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you have some SARCs as well. See the, problem with, see, the problem with society, now it got, uh, got awkward, right? Um, see, the problem with society is me. I had the privilege of, of doing a talk just a couple of days ago at a, at a men's lunch called tool, Toolbox Lunches here in Austin at the Austin Country Club. And it's basically what they do is they, they serve this really yummy lunch at the Austin Country Club and they invite you know, a, a ballroom full of men that are sort of professionals, business people, and they share a story. So they invited me to share my story. You know, and when you share your story in, in a typical keynote, you share the highlights, right, your accomplishments. And I did that in the beginning. But then I landed on Sarks. And the reason I landed on Sarks is because who cares about the highlights, honestly? They're gonna go, good for you. <laughs> That's it. But it doesn't give them anything. But what I landed on is, look, even with the advantages that, that I've had, the, the, the luck that I've had, the hard work that I've had, I am my worst enemy. And I can undermine and destroy all of it, all by myself. And it's not Putin's fault. It's not Biden's fault. It's not the climate's fault. It's not my parents' fault. It's my fault. And that is a profound truth that, that is uncomfortable. We don't like to think of ourselves this way. But what it does for us, it brings us to a place of lament of a real-life sobering understanding that the problem with the world is me. 
you know, uh, Mauricio and I so we started getting together once we had this, this, this almost like initial conversation where he expressed, look, I, I feel like there's so much I need to change. And uh, besides the, the, the awesome perk of being able to study the Bible with someone in Spanish, which I haven't done in many years, right? Um, it was just wonderful because I could hear Mauricio's groaning. And I groaned with him and I go, I know what you're talking about. I've done this stuff. I've experienced this stuff. I've been the cause of so much pain to myself, to other people, to my family, to my closest people, right? And the process of studying the Bible with Mauricio was a process of realigning of his understanding of how to see this world and the source of what is the problem with what the Bible teaches about it. See, what we're talking about, the reason why this Sunday is the highlight of the, of the Christian year is because we're celebrating the one event that had changed the world, the, resur the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a turning point in history. Even if you're an atheist, a Buddhist, a Muslim, a deist, whatever it is, you're, you know, a, a what is, how do you call a male witch? Warlock. warlock. You're for a warlock. When you sign and you document, you sign the year, and you mark the beginning and the center of human history because the year marks an event, which is Jesus. And they even transferred it just out of respect to people who don't believe in stuff like that, right? A.D. used to be the, the year. Anno Domini in, in Latin. The year of our Lord. You know? They changed it to common era and there's other sort of... So you can say common era, but what does the year mark? <laughs> <laughs> common era from when? <laughs> from when Jesus was given to us and lived a perfect life and was crucified and resurrected on the third day to give, to give you and I a chance to be victorious over our sarks. And even as Christians, as we are the first fruit in the words of Paul, right? We have this first fruit of the Spirit. We still groan. But we groan with a very different groan. The, our groan is the groan of a mother at childbirth. This is a different groan. It's not a hopeless groan. This is a groan of pain in a waiting for new life. Like if, if you were married and, and your wife gave birth, you know what, what I'm talking about, right? It's a sweet groan. It's an expectation of something miraculous. And as Christians, that's how we groan. And I like that groan better than the hopeless groan, don't you? So, baptism is the way we join the history, the story of Jesus, and make his story our story. The way we join Anno Domini, the, the change in humanity, and we join that story and that becomes our story as well. So I'm going to read one more scripture in Romans 6, verses 4 to 8. It says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a, in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self 
was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin, Sarx, might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. See, baptism is this reflection, this manifestation of the resurrection, death and resurrection of Christ. We are, it says in Romans, we die to self and we're buried in, in this water, right? Which is essentially this, you know, and water, uh, baptismos means immersion. Immersion, right? That's why when we baptize someone, we actually put them under the water, we just don't, don't just sprinkle it on top. Because the word means that, immersion. And, it, and it's, you immerse yourself in the presence and person of God. You immerse yourself in the indwelling of God, um, the power of God. You are now completely immersed in that, and you die to self. Your old self is dead, and you emerge a brand new creation, and that's what the Bible teaches. It's a mystery. It's freaky if you think about it. Like, you can't really explain it, like two plus two equals four, but over and over again, we've seen this transform people. And, the light, and, and it's, it's something you'll never forget. You know, me observing Mauricio be transformed. Like he's a different person. It's just remarkable having uh, come down and, and share in a second. But here's my, here's my call to action for you. Something you, I want you to meditate on. Two questions. Is my lament, my groaning, the things that we feel should be better, leading me to surrender? Or are you just sort of running in circles? And if you can be honest with yourself, that's going to be helpful to you, right? Is my lament leading me to surrender? And is my surrender leading me to renewal? Are you able to go from lamenting and, and sort of expressing this weight that you have on your hearts into a place of surrender that leads to renewal? Have you seen that work? And if not, why not? And what is it that you can do to find that journey from lament to surrender to renewal? Whether you're a Christian or not, it doesn't matter. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my part. Ready? Especially if you're new. If you're new here, are you, are you here visiting? Raise your hand if you're visiting. Okay, a few of you. Okay, here's my challenge to you. Commit to four Sundays in a row after this one. Come back to church. Worship with us. Pray with us. And then after church, for four Sundays in a row, we're going to give it a 15-minute break of fellowship, like at our, like 1130s, sort of where we, we, we end. And 11.45, I'm going to lead a discovery class. For anyone who's interested, just talk to me, and I'll talk to you. I'll read some scriptures. I want to hear about your life. And we're going to meet you know, around the corner from this building right here, you know where the kids are. We're going to meet there. It's a discovery class. And we're going to lead one for whoever wants to do it, for four Sundays in a row. And I want you to think about it. If you really feel like this has grabbed you, there's something there that is worth discovering, come to that. Come to four Sundays, come to four discovery classes. You get that? Okay, so even if you're new and you come, somebody comes next week, send them to discovery class. It's going to be great. It's a wonderful thing. So uh, let, let's have uh, Mauricio come down. I'm going to ask him some questions about this. And check this out. This is the moment right there. Good morning. <laughs> All right, so, um, so this is Mauricio. Hello. Uh, 
Okay, so when we met, it was it was re remarkable. Can we turn on his mic? Um, Hello. Yeah, there you go. Good morning. Uh, <laughs> when we met, Mauricio, uh, it, just like any, everybody else, you 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 ask, okay, what are the broad strokes, right? So it's yes. Chilean musician, economist, all of that. He was uh, you uh, CEO of a software company. Yeah. It's exciting, mm -hmm. high tech, yes. machine learning, yes. you know, geeky stuff, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, and then, and then lament yes. after we got to know each other a bit. So tell, tell us about the lament. What was it? How did it feel to you? Well, I, I, I um, start to talk with Christian and uh, suddenly he started to like recognize when somebody's in a crazy state of mind <laughs> that I was in those days. It's, it's funny now, but it was terrible because I make this declaration, nobody will stop me. So I put a, a sign in my uh, in my computer, nobody will stop me. So my son, my wife start to tell me, you know what, stop this. And I yell at them, nobody will stop me because I will be like, I don't know, Jeff Bezos, whatever, no? And then a Christian told me, I can see your pain. I can see that you are uh, not in a good path. So I suddenly discovered that that I start, well, Christian taught me how to talk with God because I'm coming from a totally atheist path, no? So, so put a, uh, a candle, start to talk with him. And uh, I start to say to God, why this is happening to me? I'm a good father. I'm a good person. Why? Why God? And... Uh, well, and he told me, I have been always there for you, always. But you are the one who never opened your heart. You never opened. And, and well, I talked with Christian and he told me, well, open your heart, man. Open your heart. Let's write it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, everything started to change. I, I, I let uh, God take the controls of, of my life, no? And, and, and my good friend, uh, Robert Gunn, told me, you know what, I let God to take control. So explain me, how is that, man? <laughs> so that's surrender, right? Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so tell me, tell us, what, the, what are some of the specifics? Like, you come from an atheist background. Yes. How does the process of surrender, what is it? Is it, is it a magic spell? What's the, you know, how no. does it work? No, it's, it's a, a discouragement because my son, when he was three years old, I was totally scientific and blah, 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 no? And he told me, you know what, uh, Father, what, that tree is so beautiful. He's there, Matthias. And, <laughs> and he was three or four and was, uh, and I said, you know, Matthias, what happened is the chloroplasts and the, <laughs> you know, uh, oxygen and uh, carbon dioxide and blah, no? And he was mad with his little car, yellow car, he loves yellow, and he said, no, why is it so beautiful? So he broke my mind there, and I have no explanation, <laughs> no, no scientific. So I always start to, to be with, with God in a, in a way, but, but the huge, huge like hit on my head <laughs> when what Christian invited me, hey, I, I made a service, and I said, oh, this guy is cool, he's, I like him, he's intelligent, and, uh, okay, I will go there to your service. And he talked about the ripple effect. <laughs> I was sitting over there. And the ripple effect was like a ripple, <laughs> like an atomic bomb for me. And uh, 
That was when I, when I started to, to discover God, and he started to invite me to his home, a lot of time, giving a lot of his time to take care of me, to teach me the, the Bible. And in one meeting in, in the Prater's house, the gym, he said, you know what, this is the joy, the joy of God. So I said, I don't understand <laughs> what is the meaning of joy. And so I started to ask Christian, what is the meaning of joy, man? I don't understand that. And that you help me to try to understand, oh, there is a joy to be with God, to be with Jesus. And now I'm very proud to tell my atheist parents, <laughs> you know what? I love God. I'm with Christ. And uh, I'm not starting to grow. I'm, I'm not as... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm a very difficult person, for saying. <laughs> but I'm sure my family could tell you, I'm still difficult, but not as difficult as before. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm feeling God right now. So tell me about renewal, the, re the last part, right? Uh, one of the things that you and I talked about is sarks, is sin, right? Yes. Essentially, yes. the biblical yes. word is sin. And this, and once you, once you go through this really honest, raw conversation with yourself even, acknowledging that there's mm -hmm. so much heaviness and so much lament, and then you go, okay, okay, I'm gonna trust, I'm gonna surrender. Yes. But then between that surrender and renewal is repentance. That's the step, yes. right? Because yes. you realize the sins you've committed and you go, okay, I, I, you might have even not considered those things mm. as sin, as bad. Yes. But you surrender to God's definition of what is good and what is bad for you. And then, so what, how was the process of repentance to you? Well, it was extremely painful because you always look at the mirror, oh, I'm so beautiful, you know, I'm, I'm perfect. <laughs> <laughs> And when, when, when you gave me that, those scriptures and, and I start to put it in an Excel spreadsheet with all the <laughs> kind of things <laughs> that you can have, and the, and the spreadsheet never ended, no? So, <laughs> oh my God. So I said, Lord, well, I, I have seen so, m it was painful because I have made so much damage to other innocent people, no? That, that was so terrible. And I remember once I, I asked, why uh, uh, Jesus, uh, God allows Jesus to die for me in a, such a terrible way, no? And then, well, we humans only understand pain, no? Under, on, on, only understand that. And, and then I said, well, what's a bad tra business transaction? What's wrong? So you gave your son's life for my sins, no? And then... There wasn't any transaction at all. This is pure love, man. Pure love to you. I gave my son's life for your sins. So that's that was uh, like pre-baptism, no? To 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 put to to open all that the wrong things that I have done, all the sins that I have done, and that is totally a renewal. That's a renewal because I I start from zero now. I'm sorry. It doesn't mean that I don't remember those sins. It means that now I'm, I, I have the unique opportunity to change myself, to be a different person, and, and, and to follow uh, the instructions that are coming <laughs> there, and, and, and uh, have complete trust, complete trust in Jesus and in God. Okay. He's the man.
All right, why don't we, uh, so as we, as we prepare our hearts for, for the Lord's Supper, can we, can we just pray together? And what I want you to, to meditate on, if you could, is, is these two questions. These are cha- questions, as a non-Christian, as a Christian, they will change your life over and over again. Is my lament leading to surrender, and is my surrender leading to renewal? Because that's what God wants for all of us. Let's pray. Mm-hmm.